Hey everybody, welcome back to the Walk in the Light podcast. Today we're going to talk about the gospel of salvation and grace. Now one thing that we've been wanting to do is have a prayer at the beginning, maybe not so much at the end, to kind of bless what we're talking about, bless us, bless the hearers, so that we can learn. And it was actually a family member of mine that told me to look at a prayer that Paul had in Ephesians chapter 3, and so we altered it a little bit, changed the words around to include us, not just a prayer for you, but a prayer for us as well here speaking, because we could use the benefit of what's in the prayer. So to start us off, I'm going to go ahead. We just ask, Heavenly Father, that Christ would, or that you, Heavenly Father, would grant all of us, according to the riches of your glory, uh, be strengthened with power through your spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Awesome. So a quick addendum to last week. One thing that we wanted to talk about or that we should have talked about is, you know, when we're limiting our freedom, it's very difficult to do. (laughs) It's not easy to limit your freedom. Sanctification is not always easy to do. And to kind of prove that, just take a look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. Read the whole chapter, but specifically we have a couple of verses here. It's at the end. It's verses 22 through 25. Again, this is Romans chapter 7, and this is Paul speaking, and he says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So again, just remember, you know, when, when you are pursuing Christ, when you are pursuing righteousness, don't forget that even though you have the righteousness of Christ imbued in you, you are also still fleshly. You haven't been glorified yet. So it's a battle, and it's not easy. So, you know, we kind of talked about it almost jovially, you know, happily. And it is really a happy subject, but we don't want to take away from the seriousness that it's difficult to do, you know, and remember that. And, and just remember that the grace and the love that God has for you when you fail, when you mess up, because you will. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Josh. Yeah, um, I'm just really excited to get into the into our topic for this week. Um, it's really important for us to understand. Even even today, I've had somebody asking questions about the gospel, um, and it's really important to be ready to answer those questions. And so, um, in light of that, I'm really glad that we're kind of coincidentally getting into it this week. Um, to be able to talk about, you know, the gospel and our salvation and grace and all that good stuff. Yeah, you know, it's an incredibly important topic. I, you know, again, we've talked about it before, and we're going to talk about it a lot in the future. And, you know, the struggle that me and Josh had, you know, with our salvation, worrying about it, anxieties that surround it. And part of the problem, part of the reason that 
both of us have had these anxieties is there's a lot of misinterpretation there's a lot of false teaching there's a lot that that is added or taken away from the gospel message to where it is twisted and and it, it, it you can't recognize it from its true form and so we wanted to talk about it today and lay it out plainly so that again if you wanted to come back to this we're going to end up posting all of our podcasts in kind of in a written format but especially this one this is the most important one that we could talk about if you were to ever to listen to any of them listen to this one because this is the foundation upon which everything else is laid on on top of and that is again salvation and christ and grace and we just cannot say enough about how important this topic is and again for us personally i mean it's it's incredibly important because of some of the turmoil that we've experienced in our lives and we don't want anybody else to experience it now i'm grateful for what i had to go through because it made me closer to christ but part of the reason i believe i went through it is that so that i could help others with it and i know josh believes the same for himself yeah exactly i've had i think one of my big issues is is when I've had people witness the gospel to me um, early in my faith. Um, it was it was given in a way that made it almost seem like you had to be perfect. Like you had to come into a relationship with God and that relationship had to start off perfect and remain perfect all the way through your sanctification up to glorification. And I know that wasn't entirely what they were trying to say, but the way they said it and some of the things that they went about and approaching it really, really made it difficult for me to understand how it's I was muddy. supposed to. Yeah, it was muddy. It made it really difficult for me to understand how I was supposed to start a relationship with God because I knew I was a sinful person, person, and I'm not perfect. And so now, <clears throat> now I'm supposed to acknowledge that I'm a sinful person, I'm not perfect, and I need a savior. But I also, at the same time, somehow have to come to God perfectly and clean in order to be cleaned. Yeah, it, it makes it no make, sense. It didn't make sense. And so um, this one was a really important topic to get into because we really, the gospel wasn't intended to be overly complicated. We, we are supposed to be able to take the gospel to somebody who may have very, very little knowledge of if God. any. And, and exactly, and be able to witness to them the glory of God and what Christ did on the cross for us. And if we have to, if you have this like extremely lengthy and complex version of the gospel, I mean, you, I think you have to ask yourself, at what point am I not really giving them the gospel and I'm just kind of giving them this laundry list of to-dos? And if... And I've said this before, you know, in conversations with Mark, that you can turn anything into works if you really wanted to. You can turn almost anything into working for your salvation if you really wanted it to. You could say, uh, I have to have a clean house with a made bed and no dishes in the sink before I can really... Because otherwise it's slothfulness and and, and Christ doesn't accept a sloth, so... Yeah, and, and it's like, at what point... Are we saying you're not working for it, but then we give you a laundry list of to-dos that you have to do before you can actually be saved? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And again, not only is salvation, you know, the most important thing we could be talking or we could talk about, 
it it requires you know for us you know I said you know I, I didn't want to rush this I wanted to carefully consider what we were going to say because I don't want it to be muddy like so many things so many other things are and if you're securing your salvation if you want to have a little fun exercise go take little tracks from different churches from different denominations and compare what they have to say about how to get saved and it will blow you away it will blow you away i've read different versions of how you are to get saved from many people that proclaim to be protestant if you will if we're going to use that that term to describe us as christians today and it's 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 amazing in a bad way and so we wanted to clear it up have scripture to prove what we're here to say so that there is no more question and if anybody ever brings to you something that well what about this or don't you have to add that or maybe take away this you say no here's the scripture that supports what i'm saying when it comes to the gospel and i think to add on to that is uh we want to give you something that's not only useful for new people that like want to learn the gospel but also for maybe experienced people to kind of simplify it and break it down to what it really is so that way it's applicable like like i've said in past podcasts we want we want just about everything we teach to be applicable in some way so that way you can take it and use it right away so this isn't just for what we hope would be to use it to convert but also to be a tool that you can kind of break it down and simplify it have some verses ready in your back pocket um you know just something that's applicable to take it out and use it and witness and you know if you've been a believer for a while it just helps you re-solidify the things that maybe over time has grown muddy in your life well maybe i didn't do enough maybe maybe i should have doubts well no again we're what the goal here today is to clear all that up and say this is what the gospel is this is what you must do to be saved and you know a couple other important things to go along with that and without further ado we've talked a lot about you know kind of our own opinions and and you know feelings and experiences towards this so let's go ahead and get started uh, with some basics which Josh is gonna go ahead and, and do yeah so the first thing we want to point out uh, is God created the universe uh, the evidence of that is right away in the Bible Genesis 1 1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, real quick, I want to say the reason why we're starting with this, these basics, are these are things that people have to understand before they get saved. And you could preach the gospel to somebody and they go, well, who is this Jesus guy and what does he, why does he matter? Well, you have to have some understanding of the basics, which we have three basics here. I, I believe it is just three. And, and again, that's what Josh is going over. And the first one is that basically God is real and that he created everything. That's the first basic that somebody has to have down. Exactly. And, and number two is God is one being personified in three separate and unique individuals, all of which are equally God. Uh, the first one we have here, we talk about how God is all three. Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of an age. Yeah, why would you baptize in the name of all three if, for example, the Holy Spirit was just some supernatural 
force you know throughout the world that doesn't make any any logical sense exactly um the second thing that we wanted to point out is that christ is god so we want to make it clear that when we witness to somebody and we'll probably go over this again a little bit later too but christ is god christ is the only one that is sufficient enough for all of mankind's sins christ being god if he's not god he wasn't he would not be sufficient for all of mankind's sins and we are all still doomed in our sin yeah and one thing that we were uh we talked about before actually recording this was you know previously in the old testament you know we as sinners we deserve punishment we have to be punished that is the that that is what is deserved now in the old testament that punishment was laid on animal sacrifices however the only sufficient sacrifice to where we wouldn't have to continue to sacrifice all the time because we're always sinning and every time we sin we would have to sacrifice another animal because animal sacrifices didn't cover future sins for example the only viable sacrifice the only one sufficient was god himself because he was the only one that was perfect that could cover not just past not just present but also future sins as well a once and for all sacrifice and that is why it's so important that people get this right christ is god he has to be god because only god is perfect and only a perfect being could be sufficient to pay the penalty that sin required exactly he he was the only one that could live a perfect life and his blood is the only blood that would be that would qualify as sufficient enough to cover mankind's sin and so the first evidence we have of christ being god is john chapter 1 verses 32 through 34 and it says john testified saying i have seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and he remained upon him i did not recognize him but but he who sent me to baptize and water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Second one we have is Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. And I really personally like this one as evidence of Christ being God. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. And again here it says, our great God and Savior, and then it says Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Third, we want to point out that the Holy Spirit is also God. And our evidence of that is in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back some of the price of the land while it remained unsold did it not remain your own and after it was sold what is it not under your control why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart you have not lied to men but to god and again why we chose these verses is is if you look back in verse three it says you have lied to the holy spirit and then if you look at verse 
5, it says, you have not lied to men, but to God. So in one sentence, it says you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then in the second sentence, it says you've lied to God. So God and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. So again, this basic, this basic that people have to understand is that God is one being personified in three separate individuals. They all have different functions, but they are all the same perfect being, which is our Heavenly Father God. Exactly, and we could, there's numerous verses that go over both uh, Christ being God and the Holy Spirit being God. These are just a couple to kind of get you started, but yeah. there's, there's numerous verses. And our third one, for, uh, for the basics here, we have, we are all sinners separated from God with no hope of bridging that separation except via Christ's finished work on the cross. Uh, our first one is Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our second verse is Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 7, and it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, too, all, form, all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and, by, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love in, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So yeah, again, what are the three basics? <clears throat> that God is real and that he created everything. That number two God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all God. None of them are kind of God, maybe God, not God. They are all God. And then number three, we are all sinners separated from God, and we need a way to bridge that gap. So how do we bridge that gap? Well, that is the gospel, which is what we're getting into next. Do you have any other things to say before we start, Josh, on that? Yeah, and uh, just a small thing I, I always like to add whenever I look at this Ephesians chapter 2 verses. Um, it says, we're by nature children of wrath. This points that uh, since we are seeds of Adam and Adam had sinned and Adam was cursed uh, because of his sin, we all have received that curse and we will all sin. And by our sinning nature, we are all children of wrath, destined for a punishment that without the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and the belief and trust in his finished work, that is our destination without yep. Christ. Absolutely. So again, what is the gospel? Now that we told you these basics, what now? So, John 14, chapter 6, or excuse me, John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So we know that there's a gap between us and God. What's the bridge? Jesus is. So, now, this really breaks it down, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. It actually says, this is the gospel. So here we go, starting in verse uh, 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which, you all, or by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, what does the word gospel mean? Well, it means a good message. Now, there can be a lot, there's a lot of different gospels. If I was to say, hey, I got a raise, in a sense, that is a, a, a good news. That, that's what it means. Gospel is good news. Well, that's good news. That is a gospel. But the gospel unto salvation is what Christ did for us. So that is the gospel. So now that we have it, how do we become saved from the punishment that we deserve? Well, we have to believe in that gospel. We have to trust in that gospel. So right here I have a story. It's kind of a long one um, in the Bible, and it's Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. And the reason we added all of this is it, it gives really good context. So starting in verse 25, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So again, we have the good news. Okay, we, we have the gospel, which is Christ, one is God, and that he came, that he died on the cross, was buried, and he rose again on the third day. He was the payment, he was the sacrifice to pay the penalty for sin. So how do we get saved? We trust in that for ourselves. Now, this is where some confusion gets. How many people do we know that says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Um, I, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I know he died on the cross. Well, again, you can intellectually agree that this happened, that this is an, a historical fact, but until you trust that, it doesn't do you any good. So you have to trust it for yourself. You have to go, okay, I yeah, I know that that happened, but I know that I need that for me. I know that I need that payment for me. I know that I need Christ's sacrifice for me. So I trust in it. I trust that he did these things for me. I trust that he did these things so I didn't have to pay the penalty. I trust that I no longer have to pay the penalty because Christ already did it for me. So a little example of this is imagine a bridge. I've heard that people use this analogy before. You come to a river and you see a bridge and you agree that it's there. You see the bridge. You, have, you, you don't doubt that you can't use it to cross the water, that it'll hold you up. But until you actually use the bridge, it doesn't do you any good. Well, that's Jesus. He's the bridge. You can see it. You can agree that he did these things. But until you trust it for yourself, it doesn't do you any good. It's just a bridge. You have to use it. You have to trust in it. So again, that's the difference between just agreeing that this is a historical fact and that it happened and actually trusting in it for yourself. Trusting that you no longer are receiving God's wrath because Christ already received it for you. So the next question is, okay, 
are any human works involved? For example, do we need to stop sinning? Do we need to go to confessionals? Do we need to pay restitution? Do we have to have some overwhelming sorrow for the things that we've done? And the answer is a resounding no. <laughs> and, and me and Mark have talked about this. If you, if you have the urge to, um, if you haven't already, to stop doing specific sins in your life, especially big ones great or if you have if you have a desire to confess it to somebody which i know for me i've confessed my sins to to a few people and i know i felt better for it awesome. and that's great um you know i've i've heard about people that you know uh they they stole paper clips and pencils and pens from jobs that they had and so years later when they got saved they they felt like they had to in order to be saved send a check uh, for money back to this job for stealing paper clips, pens, and pencils, is that is that great? Sure, but is that also works? Absolutely. And 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 like I said earlier, you can turn anything into works for your salvation if you create it that way. It could be literally anything. Um, in this uh, in that last example, this woman literally thought that in order to be saved, she had to send a check for thirty five forty dollars back to her old job for taking paper clips, pens, and pencils. Yeah, um, that's no. works. Yeah, that's works. And again, and I, we have we have two verses here, and there's more that talk about it. That it is an absolute resounding no. And the first verse that, or the first set of verses that we have is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are all his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, I've heard it argued that, well, it's not a result of, of works, but really that means human works, and it's God that gives you the ability to do the works, so really you're not doing them, it's God that's doing them, so even though you're performing works, it's God that's doing it. No, th that's just confusing and muddy. No, there is no works involved. I don't care how many people try to twist that message, and if you want more evidence, one that even hits home a little bit harder and hurts a little bit more to hear is go to Galatians chapter 2, the very last verse, verse 21. And, he, and Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, or if you'd like to insert the word works here, then Christ died needlessly. Then Christ died for nothing. If you think that you could add something to what God himself already did, then you are nowhere near the gospel. Because that is not the gospel. The gospel is Christ did it, so trust it. And it is honestly, it's, it's almost, um, well, really it's blasphemy, but it's, it's offensive in a way that God did something so amazing for you and you think that somehow you and your human capacity could add to it? That's, that's honestly offensive. And that's why Paul, one of the reasons Paul wrote the book of Galatians, you can read it in the very beginning of it. Paul says, if anybody preaches you to you a different gospel than the one that I have preached to you, whether he be an angel from heaven, they are to be accursed. They are to be cursed for what they said. Because that is how serious of an issue this is. And, he, and, and that book of Galatians not only talks about grace and salvation, but it also focuses on, a lot on can you lose your salvation, which we're going to briefly cover uh, at the end of this podcast. Yeah, and, I th and also something I'd like to add. As far as election goes, I do believe that God initiates with us. 
and that God enables us to respond in a in the positive way if he has chosen us mm -hmm. but that does not mean that we're we are to turn around and work for it that's mm -hmm. that's not what election is that's not what him enabling us is he basically enables us when we hear the gospel and that seeds planted to believe it to believe it he enables us to believe what we've heard and become saved and and he gives us grace and that's what it means when it talks about God's workmanship he his work is planting the seed in us through hearing the gospel and having us respond in a positive manner that's God's work Jesus Christ dying on the cross and that finished work that's God's work our us responding in a way where I have to do this this and this first that is works that is human works and it is not biblical yeah and you know what guys um honestly this podcast might run just a little bit over than what the mark we're trying to hit but that's because this is so important and and i kind of want to go back and again cover it shortly again which is the basics that we have to understand that god created everything that he well, he exists and he created everything that jesus christ is god and that's why he was able to pay for our sin uh, and pay the penalty for our sins that number three, we are separated by God from sin, that we need a bridge, and that bridge is Jesus Christ and the payment that he paid, and the way we get saved is by trusting in that for ourselves, and no human work is involved. So again, now the question is, all right, great, we're saved, we did it, we trusted, we trusted in it, we didn't add anything to it, we trusted, well, can I lose it now? Can we? Uh, well, no. And <laughs> simple so, as that. Simple no. as that. And so um, a lot of, well, the one verse that I hear a lot of people t that believe you can lose your salvation is, uh, what is it, Hebrews chapter 6. six verses 4 through 6, I think it is. And and I've heard somebody even debate, um, and, and I don't want to get too much into this because I, I don't remember the exact contents of it, but they refer to how the chapters leading up to chapter 6 is actually what it's referring to in that specific part where it gives people the impression mm -hmm. that you can lose your salvation. But I think you have to keep in mind if there's one instance where you read something and it gives you a belief but it's nowhere else in the Bible, yeah, you're, you're, you're probably not ready for that information or you, you, you're misinterpreting it. Absolutely. But we have several places in the Bible where it tells us we can't lose our salvation and I think and they're also much more simplified and easier to understand so I think it's important for us to look at those stuff first again because it's mentioned numerous times but it's also more clear when it when it mentions them yeah. and so our first piece real of quick though before you say ahead. that I real one thing I want to add real quick to this um, is a, a pastor of mine uh, the pastor that actually married me and my wife uh, he's the pastor at North Hills Baptist Church in uh, a church in Wyoming. He made an amazing like comment about people that he he has talked with about trying to convince them that you cannot lose your salvation, and and he gets so tired of when people bring that Hebrews six those verses to him. He goes, listen, what people will do is they'll read those verses and he says, he calls it, they put on their Hebrew six goggles and they read the entire rest of the Bible with those Hebrew six goggles on and they try to find all these other areas. Well, I can lose my salvation. See here, see here. No, 
one, you didn't read it in context, like what Josh talked about just now. And two, what does the rest of the Bible say? If the rest of the Bible is telling you that you cannot lose your salvation, which is what Josh is going to go over here, then again, re-look at it and go, hmm, maybe I don't understand this verse because everywhere else is telling me that I cannot lose my salvation. Yeah. So I just want to add that in. Like, Don't read the Bible with your Hebrew 6 goggles on. Look at the rest of the Bible and see what it has to say first. Yeah, exactly. And and oftentimes when it comes to any part of scripture, if there's something that's a little bit more difficult to understand, you can pretty much guarantee that somewhere before it or after it, it probably gives you a little more light in, into what it's actually talking about. But uh, again, back to can you lose your salvation and verses that support you cannot is uh, our first one is Romans chapter eight, verses 38 and 39. And it says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the first thing I'd like to point out about this verse, because I think there's so much meat in just these two verses on this particular topic, is one... There's even more before we even get it. This is the last sec, the last verses of this group here, but there's uh, even in, in just chapter eight, there's a lot of a lot of talk about um, things that cannot remove you from the hand of God. But I think the biggest thing that we, uh, me and Mark agreed that we wanted to point out from this verse is um, when it talks about in 39, um, nor any other created thing. We, we, have, we must remember, you are a created thing. So not even you, not your performance, not your works, no created thing can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing can remove you from the hand of God except for God himself. And he's made it very clear that um, that's not going to happen. You will never do and, that. And if you don't trust that, then <laughs> you're, you've made God a liar. Yeah. Um, so it's very clear here. Nothing can separate us from God. Yeah. Um, and so the next verse we'd like to go over is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's 10 through 15. And this talks about performance. You know, can performance alter it? Correct. And so it starts out in 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, which is sanctification, wood, hay, straw, which correct. is not sanctification. <laughs> and, and I'm going to stop there before I continue on in 13. So it talks about the type of works that saved people will produce. Some of them are gold, silver, and precious stones. These are things that are going to last. Yeah. When, they, when they're subjected to fire, they're going to last. But then we have other things, wood, hay, straw. These things are not going to last. But we're going to find out at the end of this, uh, at the end of this uh, piece of scripture is that you are, these people are still saved. Their, their, works, their works in sanctification may not have been great, but they are still saved people. And so continuing on from 13, it said, Each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is revealed with fire, and fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on 
built on it remains, he will receive a reward. So again, if, he, if his work is of gold, silver, and precious stones quality, it will remain and he will receive a work. If a any man, a, rewar, a reward, sorry. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So if this man builds with wood, hay, and straw, he's going to suffer a loss and it's going to be burned up. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. That is the end of verse 15. Even though he suffered loss, even though he didn't get the reward, he himself will be saved because guess what? The foundation remained and that foundation is Christ. Exactly. And our last one on can, you lose our, uh, can we lose our salvation? And again, there's several verses on this, but these are just three that we pulled up. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, and it's 1 through 5. And it says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So again, was it the works that saved you or was it faith? It was faith. Okay, is it the works that are keeping you saved or is it the faith that saved you? No, or is it the faith that you had that is keeping you saved? It's the faith. Exactly. <clears throat> and so to summarize here, we kind of wanted to break it down, simplify it into seven easy steps to uh, when you're preaching, when you're witnessing the gospel to somebody, um, to kind of break it down and shorten it. Again, um, you can you can go on to a, a tangent if you want, but sometimes you may only have a couple minutes to witness to somebody, and so we kind of broke it down, simplified it as much as we could with as few few words as we could to kind of help you guys out. So the first one is God created everything. The evidence for that is Genesis chapter one, verse one. Number two, Jesus Christ is one hundred percent God, and our evidence for that is Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Number three, we are, we are all sinners separated from God. Our, our evidence for that is Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Number four, Jesus Christ is the only payment that is 100% sufficient to pay our penalty. And our evidence is John chapter 14, verse 6. Number five, we are saved by trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as payment for our sins. Our evidence is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Number six, no works are required. And our evidence is Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. And last, number seven, once you are saved, you are always saved. And our evidence is Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. All right, great. So... Now you're saved. <laughs> so what now? You know, it doesn't end there. So we have to talk briefly again about what do you do now? So look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. 
Paul says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, real quick, when it says work out your salvation, that does not mean work for your salvation. What it is talking about is sanctification. So, that is, if you're curious about, okay, so now that I'm saved, what do we do? Well, you grow in Christ. You grow in righteousness. And that is sanctification, which is in podcast one. Go listen to it if you haven't already. And then, oh, real quick, Josh, you have and, something to say? And also, uh, he's absolutely right in regards to working out your salvation, but it also lets us know that we are also to take what we received and spread it to others. So working out our salvation also means spreading the gospel to others. Yeah, and, and right here uh, we have it. It's the Great Commission. So Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So once you're saved, you start down the path of sanctification. And also you begin spreading the gospel, which is the great commission, the great command from, from Christ. Go and spread, spread the good news, spread the gospel. Now, real quick, one thing that Josh and I wanted to quickly end on is incorporating your personal testimony into the gospel speech. If you're saved, if you just got saved, praise God, if you've been saved for a while. Think about your testimony and how you can apply it to different situations. So for, for me personally, and then I know Josh has some to share about that. Again, I've talked about how I struggle with OCD and anxiety. That gives me a unique ability to witness to people that struggle with the same things if you struggle if, or if you struggled with you know a, a you know you were a meth addict on the street homeless with no hope yet you came to christ and you had this amazing turnaround in your life great you can go talk to those same people and you have more authority there so think about how you're going to incorporate your testimony and never ever Look at your testimony as unworthy or as less than other people's testimonies. Because guess what? Even if you came from a Christian family, you got saved really young. Well, guess what? You have unique struggles specific to that type of testimony. And what you learn from those struggles, what you learn from those trials and tribulations, that you can you can God can use you to bless other people that may be going through those same things or will go through those same things. That, I would argue, is a part of your testimony. Yeah, I, I was a Christian at seven years old because I listened to, you know, a, 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 the radio station Focus on the Family. You know, great. But what happened since then? What, what unique struggles did you have? So how can you bless others with those? And Josh, what would you like to say about this? Exactly. And so... I th like Mark said, it's very important to understand, even if you don't have a relatable story, you should still, if given the opportunity, witness the gospel. But it's really important here that if you do have a way to connect with somebody uh, and relate with them, 
your testimony could be the tipping factor in that situation. And I know for me, I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum of Mark. Um, my family kind of claimed Christianity, whether it was, you know, uh, Baptist on my dad's side or Jehovah's Witness on my mom's side. But I didn't really um, even grasp the gospel and, and, and what God did for me, uh, for all of us, until... Uh, earlier this year and and I'm 35 now but I was 34 at the time and I had a lifelong of reckless and oftentimes disgusting sinning in my life and it was it was a lifelong uh, I was I was living recklessly let's just simplify it put it that way I lived recklessly uh, for 34 years and so my witness in my testimony is going to be different than Mark's. But that doesn't mean that Mark's testimony is any greater or any less than my testimony. It just means that my testimony may be the different in how it tips somebody in witnessing the gospel than Mark's. And the same for him to somebody that I would witness to or he would witness to. And so I know one of the big things for me uh, as well is the people that God put in my life. I know when I when I had my coming to God moment, you can say, um, I didn't really know where to go with it. I, I, I had this fear of God. I had this fear of punishment and I didn't know where to go with it. I, you know, and I'm so glad that when I did get hooked up with my pastor that he kind of, he still answered my questions, but he also wanted to make sure that he rounded to the gospel before as the highest importance before anything else. And I'm so glad he kind of derailed our conversation to go into the gospel because I didn't know the gospel the way I needed to. You know, I had some theories on it because, you know, I had some family and stuff like that that, you know, were in and out of Christianity, not very strongly. But um, so I needed, I needed somebody to witness that to me. But the other thing too is there's a lot of people that rushed into my life all at once. And it was, and I always say it was the perfect people at the perfect moment. And there's no doubt in my mind that that was God's work. No doubt in my mind. God put the perfect people at the perfect time when I needed it most. Because I was, I was lost. I knew I needed a God, somebody to save me from my sins. And I just didn't know how to connect that gap. And the perfect people showed up. Absolutely. So again, guys, I know this one ran a bit longer than the last couple. We've been trying to keep them about 30 minutes long. We're even trying to maybe bring them down to 20 minutes long just because, you know, again, we don't want to... <clears throat> We don't want to bore you. We don't want you to stop listening halfway through. But this topic specifically, again, if you were to listen to anyone, if you were to share anyone, this is the one to do it. And we wanted to give it the time that it deserved. So bear with us that, you know, this one is ending at about 45 to 50 minutes long. Um, again, our prayer is just that it blesses you, that it blesses us here that we're recording it i mean we learn while we're speaking so and and just that you know that lord god that you would just use this to to bring somebody to you and that it could be a tool so that others may go out and spread the good news 
So again, that, that's our prayer. And if you have any prayer requests or praises, again, send them to walkinthelight at walkinthelightsp.com. That's walkinthelight at walkinthelightsp.com. P is in Paul. Uh, our next topic is going to be about glorification. So we talked about sanctification first. Then we're talking about salvation. And now we're talking about glorification. I know it's it, not really in order, but bear with us a little bit. Yeah, we talked... Uh... I mentioned last time that the reason why we did it out of order is um, we really wanted to compile everything and uh, we, we've had a past talk about this topic of salvation, the gospel and grace and we wanted to get more for it um, and to do it a better justice and I also want to add that if you guys um, have anything that you would like to add to what we talked about or or you know maybe even criticize what we've yeah. talked about we'd we'd love to hear it so please send send us emails or get in contact with us we have a twitter we, we have a yeah we have Instagram. a twitter walk in underscore the light is our twitter again that's walk in underscore the light we have a facebook which is walk in the light instagram walk in the light sp and again uh comments concerns if you just want to get a conversation going about anything reach out to us on any of them we'd love to talk absolutely so god bless guys have a great week and we'll just see you next time or i guess we won't see you next time but you'll hear us next time hear from us you'll hear from us next time all right god bless guys take care